Hey everyone, welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of educating chicken keepers and inspiring future flock owners. I'm Jeff. Today we'll be discussing our December book of the month, Start Your Farm, the authoritative guide to becoming a sustainable 21st century farmer by Forrest Pritchard and Ellen Polishuk. And we are very fortunate to have Forrest here with us today. And we thank you so much for the time and for joining us today. We selected this book because it is a perfect winter read, whether you have already started your farm or you have one planned in the future. Start Your Farm is a well-written book to help you launch your farm business, get organized, and think about some important topics before you begin your farming adventure. To give you an idea of what the book covers, the contents include the following chapters. Why be a farmer? Do you have what it takes? Harvesting sunlight. Your zero dollar student loan education. To buy or not to buy. Getting your hands on land. Exploring the wonderful world of soil. To market, to market, parts one and two. Tai Chi economics. Make a real profit. Secure your future. The three golden rules of farming. Love, work, and harmony. The beautiful paradox of failure. Cashing your lifestyle paycheck. And the conclusion, go. In the book, you discuss the decline in the number of small and family farms, as well as give information to help folks discern if farming is the right choice for each. So that one who is seriously considering becoming a farmer can access his or her skills and situation to help decide if this would be a good fit before proceeding. And with this in mind, Forrest, how would you encourage young people to become farmers or homesteaders? Encouraging young farmers, such an important question. Um, this is an, an, kind of an enduring uh, bind we've had culturally for, for several decades. Um, as someone who got into farming, you know, closer to 30 years ago now, um, this was a question that was very much on the front of my mind back in the 1990s uh how do you make that leap of uh you know the phys the physicality of it the economics of it the emotions and combine that in a way that's uh, going to give you any sort of chance to uh be successful is a question that still hasn't been resolved so yeah to answer it from a you know personal standpoint, a after our farm got established, Smith Meadows, um, we set the intention of uh, building lodging for um, uh, apprentices that we would recruit. And this was you know I'm talking like 2004, 2005, pretty early earlier on uh, about kind of seeking out. Uh, younger people who had this energy, had this passion, 
So um, that's something that we did for many years, and uh, we frankly intend to revisit. Um, but in the meantime, it seems like there's a great opportunity to, uh, if you're young, to take that translation of passion and ambition and actually uh, go to work on farms that offer either internships or apprenticeships. Um, and specifically, you know, make sure that you're getting paid to do so. Uh, don't, I wouldn't like uh, sign up for uh, these uh, quote unquote opportunities where uh, people don't get paid. Um, I think that moment in time has hopefully passed us by. Um, but, but beyond that, you know, w- when I was trying to uh, build my own skills as a young farmer, uh, YouTube did not exist. I mean, uh, the, the intersection of, uh, being able to pursue your interest in some specific capacity, you know, whether it's mushrooms or, you know, permaculture or, uh, CSAs, uh, there's just endless hours of content that are available. Uh, that's not only, uh, you know, edifying, but, uh, it's really specific. Um, so you can really dial into what you want to pursue in a way now that I don't want to say sport, you you know, people are spoiled now or whatever, but the accessibility for, uh, you know, uh, being able to tap into other people's experiences is just really profound. And, um, as a young, uh, you know, from a young, younger standpoint, um, it would be easy to take these things for granted, but like, I caution you do not do so, uh, because, uh, um, these are like great, you know, great educational gifts that we have. So, you know, so I would challenge any young farmer to, uh, pursue their interests through, um, educating themselves through videos, through books. Um, and then once you kind of get that targeted, uh, precision of where you might, uh, you know, feel that your focus might be, then, uh, pursue an apprenticeship, pursue an internship. Uh, you know, it's like Bob Dylan said, uh, if you want to learn anything, you gotta, you gotta get up, uh, close to the teacher, right? So go find your teacher and then, um, you take it from there. What reasons would you give someone to encourage that farming is an important and needed job? So if we need to ask, uh, why is farming, a, uh, you know, a needed and necessary job, then if that's a question that we're asking, if we're not already driven by our passion and our desire to serve, uh, serve our communities, serve our ecosystems, serve, uh, our ability to, um, intersect with uh, restorative and regenerative agriculture, then we're probably, uh, pursuing a, uh, misguided, uh, uh, thought of uh, making money, (laughs) right. For money's sake. And I don't say this lightly. I don't, I don't, you know, say this, uh, in any disparaging way because I, you know, we live in reality and as farmers, we need to have an economic, uh, mindset of being able to make money at Smith Meadows, my farm, we talk about the three E's, uh, 
We talk about the uh, environment. We talk about uh, the uh, e- ecosystem, and uh, we talk about the economy, right? And uh, the environment is a multifaceted component of uh, our human energy and what we're able to uh, bring uh, into uh, what uh, where where we intersect with the land, with uh, animals, with plants. However, we want to try to manifest that. And uh, the ecosystem ultimately is, uh, you know, how we kind of, uh, that specificity that intersects uh, with our human energy. But the most uh, tangible thing that we all have to be concerned about is the economy, right? The economics. And that's that's something that's inescapable, no matter how passionate we want to be about farming, no matter, uh, you know, how... uh, uh, how many dreams and uh, how much energy that we have, uh, we're all kind of uh, uh, living in this structure of having to pay bills and taxes and insurance and all these things. So, um, But there is there are very few things that occur to me that are quite so meaningful um, as producing food because it checks so many boxes of service, um, community involvement, um, ability to use our energy to do something that is uh, just profoundly important for our existence, right? How many things can we think about that um, really promote... um, a sense of community, a sense of purpose, and a foundational uh, aspect of, of what we all really need to do, which is, in short, to eat, right? So uh, if we can harness that intention and say we're not just going to grow food, but we're going to be regenerative and sustainable and organic, possibly, uh, producers of food, then we've checked a lot of extra boxes. And when we have a focus on bringing that service into our community in the form of maybe farmer's markets or farm stand or providing that food to, uh, our local restaurants or our, uh, school systems or in the form of CSA, then we have done the service of uh, nourishing our communities. And when we start to look around and think, how many aspects of society, how many jobs that just, you know, uh, check all these boxes of, of, uh, of service and community and, and rebuilding our soils and participating in our, uh, you know, our microclimate, um, ecologies, um, they start to diminish. Uh, they, you get down to one hand pretty quickly, right? You get down to uh, four fingers and one thumb. So these are all, I think, great reasons to uh, find motivation and meaning in wanting to become a farmer. The chapter Harvesting Sunlight begins with a basic description of photosynthesis. Why is it important and how is it our job to harvest the sun's energy no matter what else we harvest? 
seasonality, diversity of crops, infrastructure, um, and the amount of human energy and time needed, seasonality, are discussed as well as possible downtimes depending on the type of farm one might have. After considering these types of needs, is there anything that you would see as the largest hurdle or hurdles to getting started? And how would you suggest overcoming those challenges for future farmers of any age? Yeah, so as to hurdles, uh, there's there's several things that come to mind, but um, primarily uh, if somebody's going into farming, they're uh, not lacking in interests they're not lacking in passion they're not lacking in ambition um, these are the kinds of things that spark us towards uh, a life of greater meaning and i don't say that lightly uh because uh the kind of per- kind of person that's likely to be um pursuing the great endeavor of a life in farming um, is going to have to have uh, a great abundance of, uh, of passion and motivation and desire uh, because the, the odds are just uh, atrocious, right? The odds, uh, like the challenges, are formidable, okay? Beyond uh, considerations of weather and, you know, depleted soils and uh, uh, considerations of... Uh, learning, um, the endless, the lifetime of learning how to, uh, you know, become an orchardist or become a, you know, mycologist or, uh, become, uh, a shepherd. Um, and all these things might sound just like academic and, uh, on, on face value, but anybody that's lived, uh, the life of, uh, you know, um, a, a, a citrus farmer in, uh, Temecula, California, uh, knows that their, uh, you know, their ecosystem is, is proprietary, uh, to, uh, you know, a five, five mile radius, right? It's not, it's not going to translate to Minnesota. It's not going to, uh, extrapolate down to, uh, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, right? So if we take all that into consideration and knowing that these challenges are just, um, you know, uh, uh, as formidable as they are and daunting, right? Then what's our typical barrier to entry is, is finances. It it seems obvious, but there, there has to be, um, there has to be infrastructure, right? There has to be, uh, uh, on my farm, there has to be fence posts. There has to be fence posts. There has to be wire attached to those fence posts. There has to be uh, walk-in freezers, uh, that will where you know, warehouse our products. There has to be reliable trucks that, uh, get, uh, these products distributed. So that can all seem, uh, you know, so prohibitive that you don't even know where to start. So that needs to begin again. I'll go back to like the first question in, in an internship or an apprenticeship where you you learn how someone else has done that, right? And you learn how to bootstrap your way to it. You know, as my co-writer, Ellen Paulshuk, always likes to say, you fake it until you make it. And uh, 
that is to say that you you, you do what is uh, best available to you. You take whatever resources are available to you. Um, as a, a wise person once told me, um, you buy the best you can afford. And if, uh, if what that is, is, uh, you know, uh, in my situation with, as a livestock farmer, if that's, uh, step in posts and, um, you know, a hundred dollars worth of like poly braid wire, then that's where you start. You don't start with a, you know, $25,000 fencing job and a, you know, $150,000 packing shed. Um, you take these things as, as you're able to, and that provides things such as, uh, you know, thrift and, and moxie, um, where you get to intellectually challenge yourself to live within your means and allow the business to grow, allow your customer base to find you, allow yourself to become resilient, to become challenged and not overextend yourself, um, in such a way that you get eaten up with debt and bills and, uh, you cut yourself off before you're even able to start. It seems that you like to teach market farmers to price fairly by including building a return on the market value of land and resources into their goods. On page 74, it says, this is a different type of farmer entirely. One who insists on accounting for all investment costs and has figured out a way to pass along an authentic price for the cost of production. They grow food on a scale that suits their own acreage, climate, geography, and personal abilities, regardless of what politicians or policymakers suggest they should. They connect directly with their communities, forging relationships that buoy them through economic turmoil. So along with pricing fairly, if you could give financial advice to someone starting a farm, what would you say is the most important piece of advice you could give? Yeah, this is such a great question and uh, something um, that not only have I devoted a great deal of time to, but uh, I've had to live, right? I've had to live this experience. So w one piece of financial advice is, is truly uh, to live within your means. Um, I think that it is, uh, you know, I, I have a great deal of, of sympathy and understanding that um, we have these passions and we have these drives to uh, want to uh, read a bunch of books and watch a bunch of videos and uh, suddenly manifest, uh, you know, a, uh, a farm that's serving 500 customers, uh, from year one. And that is, uh, a recipe that is, uh, 99.9% uh, headed towards disaster, right? Because the nature of farming and especially, uh, organic slash sustainable slash regenerative, uh, endeavors, uh, there is such a curve of, uh, of needing to 
understand uh, to build a relationship with the land, um, with uh, building uh, the economics of finding your customer base. Uh, all these things take time. Uh, the universe tests tests us, uh, and uh, that gets compounded uh, when we're farmers because there are so many data points of consideration, uh, irrespective. Like you know, pick a random enterprise. Uh, let's say we're going to grow blueberries. Well, where uh, in where in the country are we growing blueberries or bram- let's say brambles? Let's say fruit. You know, uh, small fruits. What's our soil type? Uh, what's, what, how does our soil need to be amended? Uh, what is the uh, migratory patterns of, uh, of birds that are going to devastate our harvest, right? What is our, our ratio of stink bugs uh, to um, our, the raspberries, you know? And I'm not, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even like a brambles person. Like, I'm, I'm literally, you know, a, li- a livestock guy. Um, so, uh these are just like the top, you know, a few considerations that come in and then to say, Oh, we're just going to take out a loan. Even if we could get a loan for a hundred thousand dollars, a quarter million dollars, um, just so we can pay for, for, you know, not only from an emotional standpoint, uh, these, uh, learning opportunities of, you know, what's, what are, how is the weather going to like devastate our crop? Um, is it going to wipe us out this year? Uh, how drought resistance, how, how's, how does drought resistance play into, uh, you know, our soil carbon and our ability to uh, sequester, uh, you know, uh, water and have that available uh, to our plants. Uh, Cause ultimately um, having water is a great, great limiting factor. Um, in, in practically any endeavor that's going to be translatable probably for like 99% of, uh, of whatever we can conceive up, up to and including, you know, honeybees, right? So, uh, building into finances slowly, um, is absolutely critical. And that's, you know, that's kind of irrespective of even being able to get a loan or whatever our, uh, personal resources happen to be that maybe we could translate into, um, you know, giving ourselves a loan like any small business, uh, is likely to have to do to start with. And farming is not excluded from that, but to minimize the, the advice I would give ultimately, that's, this is all context to say the advice I would give is to grow slowly from an economic standpoint. So you can give yourself the elasticity to make mistakes, to learn without, uh, just financially, um, you know, sabotaging yourself is, is really important. Along with pricing fairly, how do you determine the best products to market for your area and then make them profitable too? Yeah. So determining, uh, what products are best for where you live, um, I want to say is literally a chapter and start your farm. Um, I think it's, it might be two chapters, actually. I think we have to market to market and then to market to market part two. And to market to market, if I recollect correctly, is followed by an exclamation point. 
uh, because it is a great opportunity uh, to be enthusiastic. Because uh, it's a journey of discovery, right? So this is really where our passions get to flourish. Okay? Um, you get to discover uh, what really speaks to you, what you want to grow. And then you get to experiment with uh, your ecosystem, right? Is that a quarter acre? Is it 500 acres? Um, that seems like a gulf of, uh, of spaciousness between those two, but um, a tremendous amount of food uh, can be grown on a micro level. And uh, frankly, uh, not that much food uh, can uh, kind of ironically be not grown on a very huge level, right? So it all depends on really what our skills are and what um, our soil types, our topography, our elevation, our um, average rainfall, our um, climate, right? Our temperatures uh, provide us. And uh, that's before we get into... uh, you know, cation exchange capacities and, and, uh, pH and, um, you know, levels of NPK and, and all these sorts of things beyond, um, do we live, uh, you know, 300 miles from the closest town of a quarter million people? Um, or do we live on the outskirts of a major metropolitan area or do we, um, you know, live, uh, near a, uh, college town, um, where, uh, we might be able to supply, uh, to, uh, farm to table restaurants. Um, you know, so all our individual circumstances are going to, uh, just greatly impact what and how we're able to get to market in a way that's, uh, pragmatic and sustainable, uh, for our, uh, respective productions. So that's really one of the ultimate joyful, uh, aspects of, uh, of not, I'm not, I'm going to take this, I'm going to back up and say, not living this, not figuring this out, but looking back on it, like sitting with your feet propped up in front of the fireplace in December uh, and looking back to figure out um, all the incredible amount of details and, and, and moving data points that go into uh, figuring out how to get our products to the people that want them in a way that is, uh, makes economic uh, sense for us is a great mystery that only gets revealed, um, you know, with, uh, frankly, uh, years of hindsight. So, uh, what you might not know that you're signing up for is a, uh, incredible amount of uh, satisfaction that you will have to defer, uh, for quite some time. (laughs) So if that's not, uh, discouraging you, then uh, by all means, uh, I uh, encourage you to uh, get get straight to work. 
Your book is loaded with information to help the market farmer start and run a profitable business. You've covered topics relating to both the market farming business and lifestyle, its benefits, and the areas that might be struggles for someone. So we'd like to know what is the most enjoyable part of farming for you? The most enjoyable part of farming, um, that's going to be a couple of things. So um, no one operates in a vacuum um, in so much like farm, like, let me back up and say this. So farming is a very, uh, it can be very insular. Um, it can be deeply meditative and isolating in its way, but the nature of farming, unless you are, you know, being a subsistence farmer for yourself is to, um, you know, foster the land in such a way that it, it, uh, creates uh, abundance and you get to share that with people. That's the beauty of farming, right? So what's the key of that? Is it abundance? Yes. Is it uh, fostering? Yes. Uh, but it's people, you know, you get to share this with people. So uh, one of the most marvelous, uh, you know, and kind of unexpected aspects of farming for me has always been, um, you know, cultivating, uh, you know, Pun, like pun intended, uh, friendships and uh, relationships, um, be that with customers, with community, uh, people that, uh, you're either, uh, come to the farm or we, uh, they find us at farmer's market or however, uh, they manage to track us down. That's part of their story. And then we get to share those stories. Uh, and over the years having, uh, apprentices on our farm that, um, I now get to see be farmers in their own right through, you know, vectors such as Instagram and, and social media, um, and get to see them thriving and have their own fan base, uh, is remarkable. You know, some of them get like, yeah, you know, more likes than, than I do (laughs) for, you know, I'll share, uh, you know, poetry out or, uh, you know, some post. And, um, I get to see like a former apprentice just like killing it for, uh, you know, having a picture of their baby, like sitting on a pumpkin (laughs) or something. And it's just, it's deeply satisfying, right. Uh, to see that they are doing their own thing and, and, uh, finding their spirit in their community and seeing that response, uh, it's just endless. It's endless, endlessly joyful. Um, you know, one of our former apprentices came back to be our farm manager and has got to build, has gotten the opportunity to build out his skills in having an assistant manager and having his own crew. Um, and I just couldn't have ever predicted it starting out, you know, back in the nineties, Um, seeing this great growth of, of relationships, um, as, you know, as we try to become farmers and in my type of uh, production, it's, you know, growing of, of, you know, flocks of sheep and herds of cattle and, uh, and, uh, 
seeing the growth of uh, of community and people that come to our farm in all sorts of unexpected ways has been uh, one of the most joyful uh, aspects of farming for me. On the other side, what was the one part of farming that you felt had the largest learning curve? And if so, what was it? The first thing that comes to mind with uh, what was the biggest learning curve is ultimately uh, your own temperament, right? Um, At the end of the day, we uh, go to bed with ourselves and we wake up with ourselves. We look at ourselves in the mirror. And um, I feel like when I was starting out, uh, ambition was not a problem. Uh, Desire to succeed uh, was not a problem. Um, Having an endless curiosity about, um, you know, breeds of chickens and raising hogs on pasture and um, investigating farmers markets, um, and you know, all the, uh, the, the drama that goes on behind the scenes and all that. Uh, none of these things were prohibitive of, uh, of me wanting to proceed, but life has a funny way of, uh, kind of, uh, getting in the way of your, of, of these perfect dreams, right? So there's things like how many hours can you work in a day? Um, what is your, uh, personal capacity to, uh, to, um, get up in the morning and, um, set fence posts to, uh, plant, to, uh, sit on a tractor um, while your body uh, slowly uh, has to adjust to all the, uh, you know, micro uh, aches and pains um, that you never knew existed, right? And then how do you translate that into having a relationship, uh, either with a partner or a loved one, uh, a husband or wife, a family? Um, and then how do you find time to... Uh, uh, market your products? How do you find time to be an, uh, an accountant who not only is able to balance a checkbook, uh, but is able to, uh, s- you know, establish budget, a budget, uh, annual budget, um, to balance finances, to, uh, make sure that, uh, income, uh, exceeds outflow, right? Really basic, really basic things. And they sound academic to say, but, all of these things are a complex Venn diagram of physical energy, right? Because even at its most basic, uh, you know, kind of core, farming is not a uh, running of a software, uh, a computer software, right? You're not going to press uh, press a button on an app and your farming is going to be done that day. No, you're going to have to physically intersect and engage, um, in however that's going to be, whether it's going to be planting or, uh, you know, getting on a tractor or, uh, or walking 
Um, and that's just the start, right? So when all those things get amplified and we get physically tired and we get strained um, and stretched, then we still have to be people at the end of the day and we still have to be thinking. Um, we have to be thinking people, right? So we have to be business people at the end of the day and we have to be uh, visionary at the end of the day. We have to be planners at the end of the day. So uh, the biggest curve ultimately is uh, is within yourself, is testing your temperament and giving yourself the space and kindness to fail because we all do, we all will and we all do um, and not let that failure become uh, a symptom of, uh, of burnout. Right. So this is a cautionary tale, everyone. Thank you, Forrest. For our listeners or customers who are just beginning their own farm or homestead story, what do you think is the best introductory livestock for these people and why? Well, I mean, this seems, frankly, uh, so reminiscent of where I started out as... um, as I'm sure your listeners know that I was the uh, 1986 poultry champion of the Jefferson County, West Virginia, uh, agricultural fair, <laughs> because I entered, uh, seven different, uh, you know, poultry exhibits, uh, laying hens and, uh, best rooster and, and ducks. And, um, what else did I have? Probably some Guinea hens. And I probably entered uh, the dozen best eggs. Um, so, I mean, chickens are this very unexpected um, relationship that we all have between wanting to, like, take care of something that, you know, make no mistake, is uh, just the most vulnerable creature you could ever imagine. Uh, Raising chickens is just rife with heartbreak and tragedy uh, because if something doesn't eat these uh, birds in the form of, uh, you know, predators or varmints or, um, you know, uh, raptors, owls, uh, like I could, I could just rattle off 28 different types of predators that will eat chickens. Um, if they don't, if these predators don't ensure the, the demise of chickens, uh, then the chickens themselves will, uh, happily undertake, uh, to, to, uh, find ways to kill themselves. <laughs> right? And anybody that's raised chickens, uh, hopefully is laughing along at this. So it's a cure, you know, it's a really interesting, uh, space, to um, want to raise something that is uh, so potentially resilient. I mean, these birds are fantastic out on pasture, and they're marvelous. Uh, they're marvelously photogenic, um, uh, whether uh, you know uh, scratching for bugs and 
you know, taking dust baths or uh, being held by uh, uh, very charismatic young children um, that are all sorts of uh, photo opportunities. But in the meantime, uh, require our attention to uh, not find themselves eaten by any kind of uh, fox or uh, uh, possum or skunk or weasel or, you know, like I said, I could just go down the list. Uh, but just starting out, I mean, the thing is, is losing, you know, not to be, uh, you know, callous about this, but you know, losing a 10 to $30 chicken, depending on, you know, how invested your costs are, is um, a lot less economically devastating than uh, losing a, you know, at this point, two or $3,000 heifer. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, pragmatism has to rule. Um, our dreams are circumscribed by... Uh, uh, realities such as, uh, having to pay bills. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I could, uh, from my experience, get anybody started from a place where you're going to have a lot of fun and a lot of challenges and, um, be able to get some eggs potentially, or have a, uh, you know, nice dinner of fried chicken on the other end, uh, then chickens are a very economical way to, uh, find that beginning, uh, place. It has been about five years since the book was published. Do you see any positive or negative changes or trends since that time regarding regenerative farming and local food purchasing? Right. So it's been about five years since Start Your Farm was published. And um, when Ellen and I endeavored to write this, uh, it's tricky, you know, to try to share information in an ever evolving uh, landscape of, uh, of, of, of like of how we learn and what's, what's useful to know. Right. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what could we share that, uh, could be as evergreen as possible, um, without, uh, becoming dated in a world that, um, you know, is, you know, by necessity, uh, always evolving, but, uh, especially in a landscape of, you know, social media and, um, uh, ways to share, um, our personal stories, um, evolving, you know, sometimes faster than, uh, is easy to keep track of with, uh, you know, TikToks and Instagrams and, uh, chat, uh, GPTs and all sorts of things that I, uh, am probably, already sounding dated about even as I talk about it in real time. Right. That's the nature. That's like, that's the nature of the beast. Um, so what have, uh, what, like what has changed in <clears throat> those five years is, uh, I think, um, uh, for much for the positive 
is uh, like, and you know, this, this is not intended to come across as like any sort of humble brag because I delight in seeing um, things that like I've been doing for 20 years and I never had the wherewithal and you know, you can, this is easily historically documented because I don't have a great like uh, social media presence. It's just nothing that's ever really spoken to me or, you know, I never did a podcast or I, I focused on the farm and I focused on writing some books to share some of this content, but to see some things that we've been doing become just widely and wildly successfully adopted. And I get to see this on, uh, on these social media, like on, on videos and they're, you know, very clever. You get to, and again, I'm going to sound dated by saying this, you get to superimpose music on it and you get to like, uh, you know, stick video on top of video and have, have like running commentary and, uh, you get to uh, embed uh, text, you know, all this flow, um, which is, uh, presumably not that difficult to do, <laughs> but it's deeply satisfying to witness, um, how engaging this content is for, uh, customers who might not otherwise be persuaded to uh, pay attention to things like uh, sustainable agriculture or regenerative permaculture uh, or, uh, you know, uh, uh, certain types of, uh, you know, obscure breeds or uh, uh, types of farming that um, just never would have, uh, you know, penetrated the, uh, the customer consciousness. And now I get to refresh my feed and see things popping up that are like that in so many ways, like, you know, spiritually, vibrationally is what I've taken great personal satisfaction in for decades. And now some clever person who is taking the initiative to share this content uh, just got like a 10,000 likes. (laughs) Um, it's a rising tide that, uh, that lifts everybody's boat, um, in ways that, uh, I continue just to marvel at. Forrest, we'd like to thank you very much for giving us your time today. It has been a pleasure to talk with you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about yourself or your work? Yeah. So thanks, Jeff. I had a lot of fun uh, with the interview and thanks to Meyer Hatchery for putting out content, which, um, you know, hopefully is not only entertaining and engaging, but, um, will inspire a next generation of farmers, which everybody needs and everybody benefits from. Um, so if anybody has any interest in my work, uh, I've got three books, uh, gaining ground growing tomorrow and, the uh, several times referenced Start Your Farm, which kind of has a self-explanatory title. Um, any of these are, of course, available uh, to be ordered through your local bookstore. And with any luck, uh, might already be at your public library. Um, we've had a lot of support over the years about having these books available in the libraries, which is pretty amazing. Um, worst case scenario, you can go to your .com uh, retailer of your choice and, um, uh, 
if anybody has any curiosity, I also uh, moonlight as a poet at uh, forestpritchard.com. And on the socials, I am Smith Meadows on Instagram. And I've got a farm-to-table restaurant, which we didn't even talk about, uh, which is uh, uh, a podcast unto itself of, uh, of pitfalls and cautionary tales. Uh, but that is Homespun Berryville on Instagram. All right. So everybody go out and start your farm. And uh, you have my full energetic endorsement. Uh, the world needs you. Take care. And with that, I thank you for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe. And if you'd be so kind, drop me a review. Do you know that you can save $5 off your next Meyer Hatchery purchase? Enter the coupon code THECOOP at checkout. Remember, this month, December 2023, take advantage of our Book of the Month and the opportunity to save 20% off the purchase of Start Your Farm, the authoritative guide to becoming a 21st century farmer by Forrest Pritchard and Ellen Pulsevac. Use the coupon code BOTM23 at checkout. You'll also receive a free Meyer Hatchery 2024 calendar with this purchase this month. I'd love to hear your thoughts and want to know if you have any ideas or topics you'd like me to talk about here on The Coop. Be sure to send me an email at podcast at MeyerHatchery.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you because life is good because we have chickens. Mm-hmm.